0: We have been talking about, we have had six messages thus far. We have talked about the Antichrist power of the book of Revelation, and also the book of Daniel. We've looked at this power. We've seen that this power would rise up in Europe, that it would be a religious system that would also be a political system. So the Antichrist power is not some secular power, but it is actually a Christian system that the Bible says would even claim to forgive sins. Actually, at least that was one of the forms of blasphemy we've already seen. Now, we've seen that God, He loves all people. He loves people of all different denominations. But he's given us this book to be our guide. And he is calling us to let go of our our personal opinions, our our maybe past traditions, and just say, well, if they they go along with the Bible, then I'll hold on to them. If they don't, well, then I'll be willing to give them up for our Savior Jesus Christ.
1: One of the other things we noticed is in Revelation chapter 13, we looked at the beast power there in verses 1 through 5. We skipped verse 4 because of the time, etc. But we saw that the beast actually looks like Jesus. They both have horns. They both have crowns. They both have names written on them. They both have come up out of the water to start their ministry. They both are animals or beasts, as it were. They both have names written on them. They both have been killed or they received a deadly wound, and then they were also given health or healing to that deadly wound. All the world wondered after both of them, and they both continued. How long was it? Do you remember? I see somebody's lips moving, but i got to hear you. What is it? Forty-two months, I heard somebody say it. So, what else did we talk about? We talked about the order. Chad, what about that?
0: We saw the order, or the chronology of the Antichrist would be that there would be the Antichrist. After the Antichrist would be judgment, and then after judgment, what would happen?
1: There would be the coming kingdom.
0: That's right. So, Christ in his coming kingdom. So, the, the order is the Antichrist, after the Antichrist, judgment, then Christ coming in his kingdom.
1: So what else did we look like? We looked at clues, we looked at more clues, and then we revealed who the Antichrist was according to the Bible. Yes. A clearly. worldwide religious power that was also a political power that, rose that up would in Europe. rise up in Europe that, had, uh, that, that claimed to forgive sins, Yes, and we saw clearly from the Bible 13 other points that it was little. It had persecuted people for, uh, and it ruled for 1260 years. It persecuted through the dark ages, and and on and on and on. We looked at lots of points. So tonight we're going to go on to the next one, Antichrist Substitute. But before we do that, I'd like to introduce you to somebody. Pastor Ken Veal, if you don't mind stepping up here. He's the pastor of this church that you're staying in as you listen to these series of meetings. And I want to thank you, Ken, for Pastor Veal for for enabling us to be here in your church and to be able to share the Word of God together. I would like you to pray for us. I, you know, I don't even have a microphone. That's right. I, couldn't, I couldn't be heard without it. Okay, let me, let me get you by me so that we can hear on the right, there uh, CD okay. there, too. Let's bow our heads, folks. Gracious Father, we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you for friends. We want to thank you for the fellowship we have here. And we just want to pause and ask that the Holy Spirit will be here to teach us, to guide us, to help us to understand the word that you've given to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Veal. I appreciate it. Well, Chad, why don't you lead us in the first scripture? All right. Did you turn yourself off? We read here. Well... Just to clarify. That's not a scripture. <laughs>
0: not a scripture. But what we see is that tonight, after the meetings, you may have questions you may have had questions, and we're going to be answering them tonight after the meetings. Remember, we have two meetings each night. After the second meeting, we're going to have a question and answer time. So if you have questions, or maybe you don't have questions, but you say, I'd like to know, I'd like to see some of the questions that other people have. We'll meet right up front here, and you can either ask questions or put your question in the question and answer bag, box out in the back. And we can answer those questions by the grace of God. If we don't know, we'll let you know we don't have the answer.
1: We're not going to take too much time either, because we're getting out at eight fifteen. We tried to, we've been trying to honor that, and we'll just take a few minutes to go ahead and take some of those uh, questions. So,
0: if you have questions, come on out. Lead us, brother. All right, we read here in Matthew chapter twenty-three. We read, Call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Now. Those are pretty clear words. Call no man your father upon the earth. Daniel, who is speaking these words?
1: Jesus is actually speaking to the Pharisees. In Matthew chapter 23, what he's saying is to those that were, uh, they were highly esteeming people of their religious faith, uh, the the other Pharisees, the doctors of the law, the lawyers, the teachers, rabbis, etc. And he was telling them clearly, do not call them father, was trying to take their attention off the people on this earth, putting it toward those that are in heaven. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In fact, it was God the Son who was saying it. But, but God the Father was the one that was focusing, being focused on. Um, let, let's pick it up, the next one here. It says, the Italian word for Pope actually means Papa. If you look up in any translation program, you're going to find that. It's, it's pretty simple. Now, the reason why I'm talking about this is because we revealed, last time we were together, in the sixth message, Antichrist revealed, we showed that the one that came up out of Europe that was a religious political power that was uh, worldwide and that claimed to forgive sins, claimed to be God, all these other things, was none other than the Roman Catholic Church. That is something clear in the Bible. There was all those other points we talked about. We don't have time to go over the whole thing now, but we're going a little further into this thing, and we're talking about this guy for a reason, the Pope in the Catholic Church. And you're going to learn more about that as we continue on this weekend, why we're talking about him tonight. But if you look at the word Pope, it actually means Papa. Read this for us, Chad.
0: We read here from Lucius Ferraris in an article called Papa in Prompta Biblioteca. It says the Pope is of so great authority that he can modify, explain, or even interpret even divine laws. The Pope can modify divine laws since his power is not of man but of God. And he acts as a visagerant of God upon the earth.
1: Is that saying what I think it's saying? That, that the Pope, according to their writings, can claim or rather interpret and change divine law?
0: Well, this is what, the, this is what I'm reading here. The reality is this. According to the scriptures, God's law cannot be changed. Um, you can see that in Psalms 111, verse 7 and 8, that God's law does not change. But... Here we see that a man on earth can somehow change God's law. Now, this is not a biblical teaching. Daniel, do you have a verse you want to share with us?
1: I do. The reason I'm going to share this one, it's in Hebrews 13, verse 8. It's because God says clearly in his word, and as we've shown you, the law, which is his moral law, his divine revelation of his character, reveals, just as I said, his character. And so as you look at his law and it reveals his character, how could somebody change that law if it does reveal his character? Because the Bible says there in Hebrews 13 verse 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. It says very similar in in the book of Malachi that God changes not. And so how could it that somebody could claim that they could change God's law if that law reflects his character? It couldn't happen. It couldn't happen.
0: You know, I I said, Psalms 111, verse 7 and 8, and what it says there, it says, The the works of His hands are verity and judgment. All His commandments are sure. They stand fast forever and ever. And are done in truth and uprightness. So all God's commands are sure, they stand fast forever and ever. They will not be changed. So God's commands, particularly His Ten Commandments, cannot be changed.
1: That's right, and it says in Psalm 102, verse 27, You are the same. David's writing, or what the psalmist is writing about God. He is the same. He will not ever change. Jesus Christ is God, as Hebrews thirteen eight says, He will never change. You know, we talked about the fact that he would claim to forgive sins. It's because of what the Bible says in Revelation 13, verse 6. He opened his mouth in blasphemy against God. Remember that uh, Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 27, says pretty plainly that trespassing or sinning actually is the, 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 the term blasphemy. I'm going to try to stand in the right spot here so I don't get this feedback. So if you're if you're trespassing you're blaspheming Brother, you pointed something out in Mark chapter 2. Would you lead us through that again?
0: Yes, in Mark chapter 2 in verse 7, what, what took place there was there was a man who was paralyzed and they wanted him to be healed. So they brought this man to Jesus. They couldn't make their way to the house because of the press. There were so many people there. They couldn't make their way in. So what ended up happening was they brought this man up on the roof of the house. They lowered him. They broke open the roof. They lowered this man down to Jesus. And Jesus looked at this man and instead of immediately just healing him as he could have done, instead he said, Son, your sins be forgiven me and the people saw this and some of the leaders of the church said why does this man speak blasphemies who can forgive sin but god only so they said it was blasphemy for a man they believed jesus only to be a man they said it's blasphemy for a man to say that he could forgive sins now they were correct about the fact that it's blasphemous for a man to say he can forgive sins but jesus was who
1: Jesus was God.
0: Jesus was God, so it wasn't blasphemous for Jesus to forgive sins.
1: In fact, the Bible says there in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. How many mediators? There's one mediator between God and man.
0: It's very clear. We, we, you know, it's not very questionable as to what the verse says. You know, what
1: is it? Micah chapter 5, verse 2, that talks about mm-hmm. Jesus Christ coming, and he has no end. He's the ruler. I'm going to try to find Micah real quick. But uh, why don't you read the next one for us, and then I'll, I'll pick that up.
0: Alright, we read here in Acts chapter 4, verse 10 through 12. It says, By the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, neither is there salvation in any other. So there's no salvation in any other other than in the name of Jesus Christ. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The only name given here on earth or under heaven is Jesus Christ, this is the only name whereby we must be saved. Read for us Micah chapter 5, verse 2.
1: It says, Thou Bethlehem Ephrata, though, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in all Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. Basically, what this is this is a prophecy about Jesus coming in Bethlehem. And what it's saying is his beginnings were from everlasting. He's always been. He is God. He never has a beginning, never has an end. He will never change, according to the scripture. That's why we can be saved through him. He is God, come in the flesh, that lived and died for us. And I praise God for that. Amen. That's awesome that he did that. Now, of course, Jesus Christ is the only one that can give forgiveness of sin. That's why we're bringing it up this time. How could it be that a man on earth could listen to your confession... And then say something like, Ego te absolvo. You know what that means?
0: You're absolved from your sins.
1: I, ego, te absolvo. I absolve you. You're absolved. You're forgiven. That is blasphemy. Now, if, if you came up to me, brother, and you said, Hey, man, I'm sorry for saying that to you, and I was wrong. Forgive me. I say, Hey, man, I forgive you. How is that different?
0: That's different because Daniel can forgive me for my personal guilt towards him, but the actual sin itself... Only God can forgive. So if I have sinned, I may have, to, if, I, if I've said something harshly to Daniel, I should come to Daniel and say, Daniel, I'm sorry for what I've said. But if, I, if I've said something harshly to my wife, do I come to Daniel and say, Daniel, I'm
1: sorry I spoke so harshly to my wife? I couldn't say, I, ego te absolvo, right? No,
0: you couldn't forgive no. me for that. Now, my f- wife could forgive me for being mean to her, but only Jesus can forgive the sin itself.
1: Amen. Now, the uh, Antichrist power would also claim to, to, to be God. When I say the Antichrist power, do I mean the Pope himself?
0: Well, it's actually the system of Catholicism that reigned for these 1,260 years, received a deadly wound, and has been coming back to power. Because no pope has lived for 1,260 years. He's only the head of the
1: system. Neither have they received a deadly wound and be healed either. That's right. So, okay, this Antichrist system would claim to be God. Notice what it says there in John chapter 10. We're going to read a section out of John, if you'd like to turn there, or just read up here with us. Verses 24 through 27. Then came the Jews, round about him, that's a capital H, there it's Jesus, and said unto him, how long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, well, I I told you, and you didn't believe me. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me, but you believe not, because you are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Pick it up, brother. We read,
0: and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one.
1: Look at what he's doing right here. He says, You can't pluck any man out of my hand, neither can you pluck any man out of my Father's hand. Why? Because. I and the Father are one. You know the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3 that we can be hid with Christ in God. Okay? So if you're hid in Christ, you're good. But if you're hid in Christ, or with Christ in God, ain't nobody getting you out of there. Right? Except, of course, for self. Well, see, he was saying this. And what did they try to do? They tried to stone him. We'll read on in uh, John chapter 10, verses 31 through 33. Then, when he said that I am God or or one, the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, hey, many good works have I showed you from my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? For a good work we stone you not, but for blasphemy. And because that you, being a man, make yourself God. Why were the uh, Jews trying to stone Jesus here, brother?
0: Because he had, in their mind, he had claimed to be God and he was only a man. Now he said, I and my father are one. This made them very angry because if some man, if Daniel or myself or any human being stood up and said that they were God, that would be blasphemy. So they were so deeply angry with this that they wanted to stone him as a result.
1: Now we, we read not too long ago in, in uh, that quote that we found that the Pope, according to his own words, can claim to change even divine law. Mm-hmm. divine law was by God's hand. I mean, you can't do that. Jesus. Unless you claim to be what?
0: If you claim to be God. Okay. And I even have a quote here. This is from John Paul II, who was the last pope before uh, Pope Benedict. And so John Paul II said in this book, we've read it already, taken from his book Crossing the Threshold of Hope on page 3. You can come up and read it if you'd like afterward, or at least check out the quote or you can read the whole book if you've got time for it. But it said, confronted with the Pope, one must make a choice. The leader of the Catholic Church is defined by the faith as the vicar of Jesus Christ and is accepted as such by believers. The Pope is considered the man on earth who represents the Son of God, who takes the place of the second person of the omnipotent God of the the Trinity. So it says that he takes the place of Jesus Christ here on earth for us.
1: I remember last time you read that you were saying, you know, it's, it's nice that I could say, hey, Chad represents Christ. Because certainly you should represent Christ on this earth. yes, And I should represent Christ as well. But to say that I take the place of Christ, I think I've gone a little far, don't you think? So that's the point of what you're reading, I think, is that the, the wording doesn't allow for much less than somebody claiming to take the place of God.
0: And I'm also thinking along the fact that we read that the, it says that the Pope can actually modify... a. In- explain or even interpret divine laws. Now, Jesus said, think not Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I have not come to destroy but fulfill. He said, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle of the law shall in no wise pass till all be fulfilled. Saying that Jesus himself, as God on earth, could not even change the law himself.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: So here comes a man saying, claiming that he has the power to do that which even Christ himself could not.
1: Okay, well, you know, in the land of Edom... There is a place called Petra. Anybody ever heard of Petra or seen this picture before? This place is absolutely immense. In fact, you've seen... You see the people at the bottom. You've seen the most of it. Can you see the people? I'm going to point to the people. There's a man right there, okay? This is all hand-done many years back. That it It's a city inside of a rock, okay? It's huge. And what happens... I show you this because Jesus understood what he was saying when he said the next scripture. Notice what it says. Would place, you read it there for us? What was this place called? Petra. Petra, okay. Go ahead.
0: All right, it says, Whom say ye that I am? Matthew 16, 15, and 17. Whom, whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon bar Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven.
1: Notice what he's saying here, brother. Uh, Peter says to Jesus, Hey, you are the Son of God, right? Well, Jesus answers him and says, Blessed are you, Peter Bar-Jonah, or Simon Bar-Jonah. Do you know what Bar means?
0: It means son of.
1: Son of. Okay, so like, if if, uh, Jesus is standing next to a guy named Bar-Abbas, and they said, Who do you want? Jesus, the Son of God, or... Bar-Abbas. You know what bar Abba means? Son of the Father. Son of the Father. Who do you want? The Son of God or the Son of the Father? And they all said, what? We want the impersonator, the Son of the Father. And that's, of course, why they chose Barabbas. But what he's saying here is, you are the Son of son of God. Well, Jesus puts him straight and says, you're right. You are the Son of Jonah. You see, there, there's a difference. He said purposefully that you are a Son of Jonah. Blessed art thou. He continues on and he says... And I say unto you, now Jesus is speaking to Peter, that you are Peter. What's the word there in the, in the uh, Greek petros. concordance? It's Petros or Petros. And upon this rock, what is that word? According to the strongest concordance? Petra. Petra or Petra. I will build my church. Now what he's saying here is Jesus is speaking to Peter. He says, Peter says to Christ first, you are the son of God. He says, you're right, son of Jonah. Upon, or you are Peter. You're, you're a fragment of the rock. Upon this rock, a different word, Petra, will I build my church. What is he meaning there?
0: Well, it's by saying this. We already saw what the word Petra means. Petra was actually taken from this giant monolithic rock there in Edom. Now, this word Edom... It means red, and you can see the red rocks there. Now, Petra was a massive rock, and Petros is, is to be a, like a, fragment, small, a fragment or a small stone. So he looks at Peter and he says, Peter, you are a small stone. And upon this rock will I build my church. And he goes on to say, and the gates of hell shall not... Prevail against it. So he was making a bold claim. Jesus was saying, we're going to find out. Jesus did not say to Peter, the gates of hell will never prevail against Peter, and you'll see why in just a moment, because the gates of hell did prevail against Peter very soon after this.
1: Yeah, let's go ahead and read it. It says, Well, you know what, I, I want to skip back because it talks about the keys. It says, And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever shalt thou or whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, whatsoever shall thou loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. You know, the keys, according to Luke 11, are the keys of knowledge. Okay? Knowledge is how you thereby obtain forgiveness of sin. Because as we know about Jesus, we know that if we confess and he forgives, we're thereby forgiven. Now, what he's saying here is if you loose on earth or if you bind on earth, it is done in heaven. Is that something that, you know, like if if I loosed on earth and, and bound on earth... Does that mean God is fixed by that, my binding?
0: No, God is not fixed by anything that we do now. Now, it is true, if I lose things on earth and I gain things on earth, now, if, if I am gaining a relationship with Christ, that will be bound for eternity. I will have that relationship for eternity if, if I hold on to that to the day of Christ appearing or to my death. But by me saying, I cannot send a person to hell nor keep them out of hell, other than by sharing with them the truth of the gospel. That's all I can do.
1: Yeah. Now, Frankly, I've been a pastor for eight years, going on eight years now, and I've studied with lots of people, and I have met only Catholic people that are quite studious, because not, not all the Catholic people, frankly, understand the Bible, because they don't, they're not encouraged to study it very much. Not to say that, you know, I just forget it. Anyways, the, uh, what I was trying to say was, the Catholic system is one of the only ones that takes Matthew chapter 16 like this and applies it the way they do saying that this means that the Catholic priests can actually forgive sin. Not many other denominations or people or even pastors will understand this section that way. Notice what he says, though, as you talked about um, the gates of hell prevailing against the rock that was spoken about. Go mm-hmm. ahead and read it.
0: We read here... From that time forth, now this is right after, we're just reading on f- further in this passage. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. So Jesus prophesies of his, his death, his, his going into Jerusalem,
1: his suffering, and then what happens? Then Peter took him, as he was preaching about what would be happening in the future, he began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But Jesus turned, it actually says in Mark, he turned to his other disciples, and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense to me, for thou savorest not the things of God, but the things that be of men. Chad, has the gates of hell prevailed against Peter here?
0: For a time Now, we notice that Peter was saved, Peter was changed. He was actually totally transformed, and we Absolutely. can see that as in the day of Pentecost. His sure. life, was, life was totally changed. But the reality was, it's not as if Satan never had a grasp on this man named Peter. It wasn't as if he was a rock. He was a large, monolithic Petra, but he was a Petros. He was a small stone, and, and he was sti- still subject to sin and to Fallibility, just like the rest of us.
1: Absolutely. So, what Jesus meant was, You are a fragment of a rock or a stone. Upon this Petras, or uh, Petra, will I build my church. The gates of hell never prevailed against Jesus, and I thank God for that. Amen. Now, what, what do we understand as a result of learning all these things here?
0: Well, one of the blessings is, you know, this is the reality God loves catholic people does he not
1: absolutely he loves catholic people as much as he loves us
0: amen amen and the reality is this he's calling us to a relationship with jesus christ where we go where we go exactly we go to the only mediator which is who jesus christ we go directly to jesus this is the blessing that god doesn't give us sometimes the messages in the bible i shared early on sometimes we hear the messages of god in the bible and they sound scary we think okay so i see the bible maybe my church is wrong in regards to this but why is god being so harsh why does god really care The reality is this. God wants to give us a closer connection with Him. Jesus wants to have nothing between my soul and Him. My soul and the Savior. Now, putting a man there actually doesn't give us true peace in heart. But going to Jesus in faith is the only way we can find true faith.
1: The Bible says it clearly. If we confess our sins, He, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, confession it doesn't say that we confess to a man. It says we confess our sins always to God in the Bible, Mm -hmm. okay? We can confess our sins one to another in James chapter 4, but it's not, or maybe 5, but it's not talking about confessing our moral uh, trash, okay? Our immoral trash. Right here what it's saying, though, is if we confess, does that just mean, God, I'm a sinner. Forgive me.
0: Well, more than just saying, God, I'm a sinner. God is is desiring that we will come to Him with our personal sins. The actual sins that you have committed, the personal things that, that have hit your conscience, you realize, I have sinned in regard to this. I've, I've maybe been prideful in this, or I've stolen, or I've cheated, or I've lied, or I've, whatever it has been. God is asking us to bring our individual sins to Him. And when we bring those individual sins, we lay them on Him. Actually, our sins are laid upon the, on the Savior, Jesus Christ. He actually took them there on Calvary on the cross. And He bore our sins. But we can give them to Him, and we can find the peace that only comes from giving them to Jesus.
1: It was uh, about 11 years ago. I was in Southern California. I was convicted by the Spirit of God to start reading my Bible. And one of the verses I read was right here, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. A very favorite scripture And in fact, if you haven't memorized it yet, you ought to do that. And this scripture, I started thinking and pondering and saying, Lord, how do I understand this? Well, it didn't take me long to start realizing I need to confess my sins. I remember getting on my knees and I started praying, God, at this time I was a heavy metal drummer with all the drugs, the drinking and the bad attitude, the fighting and the stealing and all those other things I was doing. Lord, forgive me for this, forgive me for that, forgive me for this. And all these things were coming to my mind. I was confessing, God, please take from me the things that I don't want anymore. I feel as though this is, this is terrible. It's, it's killing me. I don't want it. All the drugs and all the, the things that are destroying my body. And I'll tell you, it was probably about 15 or 20 minutes on my knees at that time. And for me, this is not what happens to everybody, but for me at this time... I literally felt a weight come off my shoulders. You ever read the book, Pilgrim's Progress?
0: I've heard it on on CD,
1: anyway. Pilgrim's Progress, when he's at the cross, he'd been uh, carrying this, how do you say this? This burden, burden, Burden. a burden for a long time on this trail toward the heavenly kingdom. And when he finally got to the cross, and he saw his master, Jesus, there with the blood dripping off for him, he realized he was up there for him. This burden fell off his back. Very similar to what happened to Luther in the... uh, uh, the Reformation as yes. he started studying righteousness by faith. And when, he, when that happened to me, I literally stood up right at the time, because I was looking around the room going like, who's here? What, what just happened? And I looked outside. I remember peeling back the curtain. I looked outside and it was so beautiful to me. I saw the green grass. I saw the sun shining. I heard those birds chirping and I thought, this is amazing. Ever since then, I've been studying my Bible faithfully Every single day, the mornings are the best to do it, and, uh, and there's reasons why, but I have never had an experience that has gone up and down, up and down. Sometimes I'm strong for the Lord, ready to be, you know, ready to be translated, as it were. Sometimes I'm down in the dust, depressed, and, and unwilling to uh, surrender to anything but myself. I've not had that, and, and you know, try to take a guess of why. Why do you think I've had that experience?
0: Because you've had a continual experience with Christ in the Word of God. That's just
1: Exactly. Again. That is exactly what it is. For me, I would say I've had an experience with God because every single day I've been in His Word. You know His Word says that it is life? In John chapter 6, it says plainly, The Word of God is life. And if you don't have this in you, you have no life in you. So if you're reading your Bible regularly after you've confessed your sins... Like really deep down, you've searched your heart. Lord, what is it that I've done? What is evil in my soul? Get it, get it away from me. I confess that specific thing, and I surrender it to you. After you've done that, start reading the Bible every single day. And you will find your life changing into the character of God. Is that true?
0: It is true. I can say with my own experience and you know one of the, you've heard the word gospel. Many times Christians throw that word about gospel, gospel, gospel. The word gospel means? Good news. Good news. It's the good news that Jesus Christ died for your sins and is willing to forgive you. But not only that, it's not really good news to the wife of an alcoholic, abusive husband if, if someone comes to him and says, listen, you know, Jesus is willing to forgive your sins. He doesn't care about your past. He doesn't and care about your present he just forgives you mm. is that good news to the wife if her husband puts down the bottle that night and then punches her again is that good news to her no that's not good news at all the good news of the gospel is not only that jesus is willing to forgive but the good news is that he is willing to give us victory over our sins amen so just as he's willing to forgive and he is willing to forgive no matter what you have done jesus is willing to forgive you can confess your sins to him but he wants to give you victory over them
1: amen How many would like to say, God, I want this victory that you've talked about. Please give me grace that I can be more Christian in the likeness of Jesus Christ. How many would like to say that? I want that. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you so much for giving us this ability to choose. Tonight, Lord, we've raised our hand because we don't want sin. We don't want to be destroyed. We don't want to have the same end as the enemy, the devil. We want to be in heaven with Jesus Christ. We want to be transformed. We want to be better husbands to our wives. We want to be better fathers to our children. We want to be better uh, Christians to the students that are around us or our, our brother or sister. Lord, whatever it is, to our parents, we want to be better people. Why? Because we want to glorify Jesus in our bodies. Thank you so much for this. And bless us as we take a break. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more.